afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Talent Fix. Uh, delighted to be joined by Andy Mackin today. Uh, Andy uh, moved from, from Cork uh, to join the Naval Service um, at just 18 and uh, then established the Mackin Group in 2004, originally as a health and safety advisory, and has then grown the business to encompass a talent solutions arm which has operations in North America, Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, as well as Asia Pacific. The group were nominated in the international category by Ernst & Young for Entrepreneur of the Year. So Andy, I'm sure you could do probably a much better job than that at, at introducing yourself. So I'll pass you over just to uh, say a few words about yourself. And um, uh, look, thanks again for your time today. Thanks very much, Barry. Um, yeah, I don't know about the introductions. They, they, they kind of get a bit lame after a while. Um, yeah, like, like you said, it came to Cork in 85, joined the Navy, did 21 years in the Navy, set up my um, health and safety business in 2004, about a year and a bit before I left, um, just to see was that an, an avenue or an option that I could do when I when I, when I I left the Navy. Um, and it was, I enjoyed, but the time it came around to actually kind of signing off, it was, we had a number of clients that we were kind of dealing with regularly. Um, so it was a kind of a no-brainer then at that stage. And um, subsequently got opportunities then to win kind of project resourcing um, for some of the bigger yeah, blue chip clients we were dealing with. Um, and then just over a course of you know a couple of years, it kind of developed into a full kind of skill talent company, I suppose. When you're looking for one or two particular um, resources in a particular category for us, it was the health and safety kind of side of things. It was grand because we, we knew exactly what we were looking for, the kind of qualifications, what they needed. And then when you give a good service and somebody comes and says, look, uh, we really loved what you did there with the EHS people, could you find us a, a lab manager or a, a software engineer? Kind of say, okay, that's kind of different for us, but do we do we do we give it a shot? Do we say no and we stick with what we know, or do we give it a shot and go for it? And look, we give it a shot and we went for it. And over the last kind of five and a half, six years, we've grown to about 170 odd people now. This is globally, wow. as you mentioned, you mentioned some of the locations around the world. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's brilliant. that's the introduction done, Barry. Yeah, no, brilliant. <laughs> but listen, just just to um, dwell on that pivot a little bit on in from safety to recruitment. Um, so was that very much that was sort of client led? Was it that the, um, as opposed to a, a strategic decision from your end? It was a bit of both. Um, when we were in there uh, offering the, the environmental safety services, there was one or two kind of areas where we seen a particular niche um, kind of opportunity that that would actually solve a problem for the client that the client probably didn't even realize that they were having at the time. Um, so that led to us being able to supply the client then with some EH, uh, EHS um, resources on a more permanent basis uh, on contract with them um, for certain areas that they were trying to fill gaps in. Um, and they were really appreciative of that. And um, that kind of led us to think then, you know, maybe look, if, we, if we're successful at doing this, maybe there's other, other opportunities. And uh, another client we were working with actually heard that we were doing this particular service for one of the clients said, well, if you're doing it for them, why don't you do it for us? And I said, well, you, you never asked. And they said, well, you never offered. <laughs> so um, so again, we, we, we kind of hired another couple of them, to people for those guys. Mm. Uh, and then it just evolved. And after that, like, they loved the service. They loved the way we did business. They loved the communications that we kept up with. Um, and it just evolved then into different areas for you know different managers that we were sourcing for. That's great. There's probably a good lesson there, isn't there, for for businesses out there to, to make sure that your clients know what services you offer in the first place, right? Uh, Absolutely, because they, they'll only ever know what you, what you do uh, with what you're doing, Barry. But if you have other services, like your 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 original sales technique, should be let them know exactly what you do. Okay, you might be only doing one or two elements of the services that they want, but at least if they know what you do. 
that potentially could lead down to another another opportunity down the road in six months' time yeah. for another service that you're not given at that time. So yeah, I think it's always important to let them know exactly what you do. Hundred percent. And just in terms of just to get a sense of the two businesses, would it be fair to say that scale wise has the talent business surpassed the safety business or oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, it definitely i think after about two and a half years the talent business because the growth in america was so big um, and it's such a huge market if you get any if you're going to kind of get any traction at all in terms of um service and volume of, of requests from clients and um, yeah it, it doesn't be long taken off so yeah it probably half is through 2017 maybe towards the end of 2017 it definitely um i know actually definitely probably even from the start of 2017 it had surpassed the the EHS kind of offering. Yeah, yeah, very good. And uh, it's great to have you on as well because you, you can give us a sort of global perspective. You know, in terms of recruitment trends, you know, is there is there anything that you that you pick out of note um, in terms of you know how you see the recruitment market evolving or how you know, uh, you know how how is the are the service offerings exactly the same in all locations? Well, I, I think by and large it is it, it is Barry. It just depends on what kind of element of of how a company delivers their service. I think the biggest challenges globally at the moment is the actual the drying up of talent in, in certain um, in certain categories. Definitely, like on the on the tech side, the software engineers and um, that kind of whole platform or a plethora of positions. That there's definitely is a, is a is a fight for talent. Um, but I think in general, because we're kind of slowly but surely, you know, obviously now with this new 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 variant, we were saying that we were slowly and surely coming out of this. Um, this pandemic, but I think it'll be around for a long time, and maybe it might, it might, it might just be called something else other than a pandemic. But um, I, I think that has definitely evolved in with the way people are looking and tracking talent, um, and I think the talent people themselves, you know, the candidates themselves, are now looking at what's best for them. I mean, there's a lot of kind of buzzwords in around the great migration and the great resignation, which I all think personally it's crap. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, the power is in the hand of the employee um, or the candidate in, the, in this instance, and the power is in their hand. They, like they've got used to working at home. They've, most businesses will tell you that they were they were as productive and as efficient with people working from home once everything bedded in, and um, if not in some cases better. So why would you all of a sudden then insist on your candidate or your your employee coming back to the office in Dublin if they've been working remotely for the last 18 months in Sligo and producing the goods? Um, number one, the employee won't want to do it. Any potential new candidate moving to a position won't want to do it. Um, so I think you're actually cutting your nose off despite your face if, if you don't kind of go with the flow, which will be that. And I think it, like everybody has said it, but I think the hybrid model going forward will definitely be the one, definitely for the, for the foreseeable future, where you can get a balance of, look, pop into the office a couple of times a week or a couple of times a month, collaborate with the team, and then for, for your project work stuff, look, get your head down, you can do that at home, you can do it anywhere. And um, yeah. so I think that's, that's going to be the way forward. Very good, very good. And uh, I mean, I know speaking for ourselves, we we've kind of fully embraced the the remote uh, the remote first model. Um, you know, everybody's working remotely, and you know that that's the model that, we, that that's how we want to grow the business going forward. How how would you find that for uh, for for you know the Mackin Group? Are you very are you are you sort of a hybrid model or fully remote, or how's that working? Um, well, look, we we were we were we were actually remote, but like a hybrid model. Um, prior to COVID um, because like a lot of the teams that we manage in the US would have been remote anyway um, Barry so it, it was it was an easy transition for us even on the health and safety side of things to um, to transition to a kind of a, a fully remote model when when the pandemic hit first and then obviously as it has evolved and things have eased a small bit and definitely we've gone back more to the hybrid model and I think the hybrid model for us will definitely be here to say because I think on the EHS side of things 
there is times when you need no distractions and you need to get your head down to produce documents and stuff like that. So that's ideal times to be, to be working at home. And then there's elements when you need to be involved with your team and collaborate on, on new products or services that you want to offer to your clients. So you, it's very hard to do that remotely. It's great when you have a bit of energy in a room and people are bouncing ideas with each other. Um, the talent side is probably easier because, again, a lot of the positions that we were recruiting for in the last 18 months were fully remote. Um, and a lot of the new ones that are coming in are there's an element of that hybrid model. So I think that, that like I said, that hybrid model is, is, is going to be here to stay. And I think the remote model in, in certain positions will, will stay as well because companies have got used to not having people in the office all the time. There's certain industries that, that kind of feel, I think, themselves, that they feel that they have to have people in the office. But like I said, if they don't take a step back and look at it, they potentially will lose a lot of high net worth individuals for their business because they're, they're just not going to sit in traffic on the M50 anymore for two hours in, in the morning, going in and coming home and yeah. traveling from the likes of Kilkenny in those areas every you know, five days a week. It's just not going to be an option. Yeah, yeah well, certainly it's definitely in the top top two or three questions from candidates isn't it when they're talking about a hundred percent it's actually the first the first three questions that we've been asked and a lot on most of the positions the last six months first one is it remote second one is it um is a hybrid and if it's in the office i'm not interested exactly. so <laughs> yeah and, and that's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future guaranteed absolutely and in terms of uh, but you do see a place for the office because uh, certainly it's, it's, it's i do i do you do yeah um from a cultural building or do you think it's it's for for those you know, when you need collaboration or... Well, I think the collaboration is all part of that kind of uh, culture building anyway, because that, that's when you really truly get the essence of, of the company that you're working for. Um, I think you have to have... You, you, it, it's very hard to build culture online. I know like I'm not saying it can't be done. There's some very successful companies have done it. Um, but I think as, as a global trend for 100% of the businesses out there in the world, I think it's, it's not going to be possible. And there's always going to be elements of businesses that have to have people in on-site, like research facilities, product manufacturing. Like, it's just not possible to have those companies working remotely. So yeah, I think for those companies to build culture within their organizations, they're going to have to have people in. Companies that don't, I think if they embrace the kind of a hybrid model where they do come in for time, they'll definitely embed their culture much more successfully, I think, than, than trying to do remotely. Sure, sure. And I suppose that leads us kind of neatly on to recruitment challenges. You know, what do you think the major, you know, what are the major challenges? I know we've talked about, um, you know, simple availability of talent, um, but what do you think the major challenges are facing businesses today? Well, it's twofold. I mean, I'm, uh, we kind of briefly touched on it. If, if the employers don't have realistic expectations of what the roles that they are setting out are and the, jobs, the, 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 the job spec that goes with it, um, I think they won't they won't be sourcing or they won't they'll have a lot more difficulty in sourcing the correct talent for the positions that they want. Um, so I think that's a that's a challenge for the employers. For the candidates, I think like I said, I think the power is in their hands because they can choose now choose from a work life balance what's what, what's going to work for those guys, what's going to work for them their family. Um, like the the like I said, the ridiculous commutes and stuff. Most people are just not going to do that. Um, but there will be an element of like, they're going to have to make certain decisions based on career and promotion and how they look at their next opportunity after after the position that they're in at the moment. Um, but I think the biggest challenges are like employers being unrealistic, um, the soft or the, the the drying up of talent in certain positions, um, and and how people source those. They're the, the kind of main challenges. They'll, that, they'll be here for the next couple of years anyway, I think, because of the situation and the environment we're in. 
Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And um, in terms of then, if we, if we talk about COVID and the pandemic, you know, have you seen anything change, you know, when it comes to finding and hiring staff? Well, I think the process is different. I mean, where you, where you would have had a lot more sit-down interviews with people um, yeah. and it'd be able to judge character and and how the person is, like the, the, on the personality size, side, it's very, it's much more easily easily done when they're actually sitting in front of you and you can see them. Um, because you can ask certain questions, you can tell them body movement if they're comfortable or uncomfortable. It's just simple little nuances like that. I think it's slightly harder to do that when you're on Zoom um, or Google Meets or Teams or whatever it may be. Um, so I think that that's that's a challenge within the, the, the kind of talent space. Mm. Um, and do you, do you see a big um, do you see a big future for you know online selection tools and you know you know? Do I actually don't favour them, Barry. I actually don't like them. I, I think I, I think like we've seen our highest success rates where we have been working with a company for a long time and we understand the culture and the environment of the co- the company, what their expectations are, how they like to run their business, and I think. And you, you know yourself in the talent business, if you get five candidates for a role and they've ticked all the boxes on the tech, on the technical verification, verifications, ultimately at the end of the day, now you're just trying to find out will this actually will this, will this candidate actually fit in with this team? So I think the challenge, I think, for a lot of companies when they're looking for a new business is you really need to get to know your client really, really well. And I say when I mean really well, I mean like nearly embed yourself into their culture and their their organization's expectations and how they run their business because that gives you a better understanding of the type of the type of candidate that's going to fit into the culture of the organization. They're going to tick all the requirements on the technical aspects because they wouldn't have got to the final round if they didn't or the, 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 the second last round. And at that point, then you're you're selecting your, your three or four candidates that you're going to present to the client for um, a full-time hire. On a contract hire, it's slightly different. You're sussing it out. I mean, for a lot of our business in the US now, we, our model would be that we actually source, recruit, employ the individual and then contract them back into the client. Um, because then we have, we have more control over the individual. We manage the expectations for the client. We manage the deliverables and um, tasks that are uh, set out in the scope of works. Um, and ultimately then the client only has that one person, one point of contact within the Mackin group um, to deal with. And it's easier than we just manage our people and then they provide the service. Um, but on the direct hire model, um, definitely, I, I think it's it's when you're sitting down in front of a candidate, you get a better feel for whether they're going to fit in. And ultimately, when we were able to do that and have been successful doing it, the client is much happier and you get a lot more longevity with the client then, and obviously more positions to fill. Yeah, brilliant. So better success rates, basically, from face to face. I think so. I yeah. mean, there's, there's look, the EI tools are great, uh, Barry, but what I've definitely noticed in some of the positions that we fill lately, um, there were certain candidates that we would have said, how, how did they not pick up on that but because they're set up in a certain way to just hone in on certain aspects i think they're missing out on, on potentially diamonds and, and nuggets of gold in, in people by doing that so I, there's probably an element of maybe a little bit of both but i think initially i think if you can source through i know i know i know it's hard work going through all the resumes for our cvs for people but like reading between the lines you know yourself you you will pick up on, on this guy could actually be a really really good person you mightn't have that, but I think that could be trained. And like Richard Branson always says, like you don't don't hire for qualification, hire for attitude. You can train everything else. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's a great uh, great quote. Um, and in terms of um, you know, where do you see where do you see the future of the industry uh, when it comes to recruitment, and and what will you um, or other businesses or clients be doing differently? Do you think in the future? 
I, I think for us, like we were actually, we were only just chatting today, actually on our leadership meeting, we were kind of saying for next year, um, we're certainly going to be putting a, a, more of an onus on really kind of selling the expertise that we have within the organization to, to companies, because I think companies themselves who have no um, internal recruitment um, branch or our team, or they're leaving it all to the HR function, are certainly finding it hard to attract the correct talent. Um, and I don't think a lot of them fully understand what goes into actually finding a really, really good, good candidate for a position um, and the time that goes into it. Um, so I think that there'll be a lot more education on our part going out to our clients in terms of, look, this is what's involved. Like, it takes a lot more time than you think. This is the process. And let them understand that, like, the, like, and be comfortable in handing that off to somebody and partnering with somebody that's going to be, that's going to have their best interest at heart. I mean, and we, we, we've done one or two of the smaller kind of RPO models where, we, where we've gone into companies and, and have become their recruiting arm. And that's something that we're going to double down on next year because I think we've got huge value and huge knowledge and experience to add to a company and it can take a lot of headaches off our plate. Um, and so, really, like once, you, once you're in there for a while and you understand the culture of the company, then you're, you're really part of the company, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, and you can sort of leveraging that position as trusted advisor. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And um, look, I, I know, I promised, uh, I, I kind of committed to 20 minutes, I think, uh, of, of your time. I've, I've got another 10 anyway, Barry, sorry. Right. Mask okay. away. No, but I just do want to touch on, just before we finish up, because obviously, you know, it, was, uh, it must have been a great experience with, uh, with the EY um, uh, Entrepreneur of the Year. I, I've read a quote from you talking about, you know, how investing time in your personal development will, you know, is something that, that, that you really believe in. Um, but... Mm. If you have any thoughts around, you know, for businesses and entrepreneurs in terms of, you know, getting getting, you know, getting to that stage where, where perhaps, um, um, you know, they'd be competing for for, for an award with EY. Mm. I think that the whole EY experience um, has been has been for personally for me has been life changing. Um, I think like just to be in the company of some of the businesses and the knowledge and to be able to tap into, into the knowledge and experience of a lot of the, the senior kind of alumni within the old, but in the overall um, uh, EY alumni is fantastic. Um, there's some incredible business in there and to, to be able to tap into that and just even ask questions. And like they, they've gone through a lot of the heartache and pain that we've gone through as we built our business. Like, so, I mean, they're, and they're so open and honest in terms of sharing that information with you. So I, I would never say for any company, like always try and, um, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there in terms of going for an award or, a, or an accolade because ultimately there's a process behind the award. So you'll, you'll have to ask a few deep questions about what the company is and your organization and what you, what, where do you see it going? And they're not questions that you get a chance to think about on a daily basis because you're stuck in the mire and of operations and trying to build your business as you well know yourself. And um, so I think that's a great opportunity to find a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more about the company, a little bit more about your team. And, um, and then that lends itself to other things because then when people see you getting an accolade or, or award, people take notice uh, and then other awards take notice. And as you grow, they watch your growth. They might be sitting in the, in the grass and um, just looking at the company evolve. Um, and then you get somebody like the likes of uh, a really good client partner um, putting our names forward to EY without, without our knowledge. And then EY knocking on the door, say, we'd love, we'd love to have a chat with you. And you'd be kind of going, holy crap, where did that come out of? But obviously they've been watching for a while and yeah, like they, they feel that we're of a value at least to, to have a chat with and then go through the process. And I, I was shocked when you were actually selected. It was, it was an incredible right. feeling. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. In terms of personal development, Barry, yeah, it's something that I've, uh, I've said it on a number of podcasts now that I've really kind of honed into and, and really knuckled down on over the last kind of four or five years. 
and um, it's just to be better to, better tomorrow than I am today. You know, it's it's what, what little tweak can I make here and there? And I think you go out to do uh, like Darren Hardy. I've mentioned him a good few times in the US. Uh, the owner of Success Magazine for over 25 years, huge icon in business. I've signed up to a couple of th- uh, his different programs. Um, and he, he, his mentor would have been Jim Rohn. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you're learning from somebody who's learned from one, from the best and Jim Rohn stuff is gold. Yeah. Um, and Brian Tracy and the likes of those guys. Um, and it's just taking some of those things on board and like getting up a little bit earlier, meditation, read, you know, knowledge, um, look after yourself. I mean, I obviously would have been pretty good luck looking after myself in terms of fitness and stuff. Um, but I just looking down. So I run my 5K every morning and we do my few little weights and for tone. I come home, have my breakfast, check my meetings with Asia, come in, head to the office. And like your day, I mean, my day is mapped out now more than it ever was. Like when you look at my calendar, there's very few slots. And you've probably seen that when you're trying to grab me, but I, I leave a few blank ones here and there. But I think, yeah, just more structure. More it's structure around your day today. It sounds like you have a good, 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 uh, good background in that though from the navy, do you? It help? certainly helps. I mean, definitely the discipline side of it. I mean, I know people are sick of me saying it, but it's just like it's nearly like I didn't realize it was so embedded in me until I got back, got into business, and then it's just to be able to see something through. Just like, look, I've got a knuckle down. I get to the end of it, and it's th- it's those little wins. Yeah. I mean, every everybody can look at the, the the successful people in the world and say, oh, I'd love to be Bono on stage, or I'd love to be Oprah delivering a show, but. They don't see the 300 days yeah. of the year that Bonner's on a bus run uh, yeah. America trying to build up the team or the 24-hour day that Oprah has before she gets to perform it on set. Like, it's yeah. it's all the boring mundane stuff that you need to get through on a day-to-day basis, as you know yourself as, yeah. as, as a yeah. business founder. And, um, and yeah, just just in terms of just interested to know how that how do you communicate that to your team or how does that how does that trickle down into the into the company? I know it's something that we're looking at next year is investing a lot in terms of you know management and development and leadership training but like in terms of you know is that something you you kind of promote as part of the culture kind of uh, or is that something that you you know you you literally invest in and and and, and you know for, for for people to improve and, and yeah we do both we 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 promote or I, I certainly promote it on them the guys are probably sick of me talking about it if i go on a course now with a darren daily course I'm like, oh my god what's he going to come back with um but i mean like not everybody's interested and, and, and i'm okay with that as well i think one of, one of the great lessons i learned from one of the darren's programs was that everybody has a part and a level in the organization of which they're very happy with and can perform and produce at that level um, and then other people will be open to being developed and um, invested in and will just reap the rewards for your company because they are open to expanding their own personal development and knowledge and um, uh, something that's going to potentially make them better and more efficient uh, as, as a person and as, as a, a person in an organization so i think don't get don't get frustrated with trying to do it to everybody because not everybody will and it'll drive you mad if you do that so and I know you're talking about kind of how how you communicate it to the team, and it sounds like it's more of a is it well is it is it informal is it is it you talking about it or is it literally you know do you invest in do you invest heavily in sort of training and and development for 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 the staff? Well, I invest heavily in myself, and yeah. I will preach it to the, preach it to the staff and and the guys who ha, um, are open to improving and um w- will show interest in it. I will definitely invest in them like the investment is there for anybody who wants to improve anyway i mean it could be improving on your skill set in terms of the service you provide for the company or it could be personal development that's going to make you a better person and a better leader within it and that sets it then different roles and, and possible growth paths for different people within the within the team but yeah to, to answer your question yes personally i do they're sick of me saying it um but i think 
I'm a positive person by nature, so I, I and I've seen the value of it. So um, if they can see how a positive impact it, 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 it has had on me over the years, then I think it's easier for them to say, you know what, let's give this a shot. But like I said, it's not for everybody. Don't get frustrated by trying to, to get everybody to swallow it because they won't. Mm. And like I said, some people are very happy producing at a level that they're, that they're producing for the company at. And I'm happy with that too, you know. So I think once everybody's happy at their level, and then I show extra love then for the people that, that want to get invested in. Um, we've just signed two people up to um, uh, Darren Hardy program, and they were de- they were delighted to take it on. Uh, one in the US and one here, and they both now synced up on a weekly basis to do a 45 minute slot together and review the content. So that's that's a positive for, for the company as well because you're going to get two better individuals that are going to perform at a higher level um, and are setting up the career path for down the line you know so that's great well that's a great tip to finish up on and um um hopefully we you know certainly i'll check check down hardy out as well so um look thanks a million for your time we're definitely now at the at the 30 minute mark so look <laughs> thanks again andy and um thanks everyone for listening check us out on uh, spotify and see you all next time <laughs>